Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, have you ever purchased something, maybe purchased it online, and when you got this item, you were disappointed? How many of you say, oh, that's happened to me, right? Uh, right, it, it's cheaper than you thought it was, or made cheaper, and, or it doesn't function the way it's supposed to, or it breaks after a little while. Yeah, uh, and typically that can happen in small purchases, big purchases. The idea is that we find ourselves disappointed and our expectations weren't met. Um, have you ever either planned an event or were planning to go to an event and, and you were excited about that event and what it was going to be like and how it was going to go and then it just didn't go like that? Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation where you have a relationship where you, you were excited about something you wanted to tell this person and you went to share it with this person and they just didn't respond the way that you had hoped that they would, you know? You were looking, and, and it's disappointing, isn't it? And we find so many things in life like that that we kind of think what they're gonna be like and then they, they just don't measure up. Now, I like coffee. I do, I like coffee. Um, and I don't drink it just because of the caffeine. I really don't. I like coffee. Um, but think about you, uh, those of you who drink coffee, and even probably those of you who don't, when you smell coffee brewing, oh, you go, mmm, yeah, yeah. And then you pour that cup and you drink it, and it what? It just seldom doesn't taste as good as it smelled. Every once in a while you get a cup like that, but not. Usually, In other words, it just doesn't end up, it ends up being less than you had hoped for, less than you had expected. Well, Jesus isn't that way. He isn't that way. Uh, I mean, was it a great thing when you came to Christ? Was it? All right. The reality is it's greater than you know. It's greater than you understood to begin with. And it's way greater than you know. There's still more to learn. Still more to find out that it is better than you expected. Uh, And so we are going to uh, begin this week and three more weeks in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Because in Paul's day, in this time, there were people who were coming along and saying, oh yeah, that Jesus, that's, that's cool, that's great. You need to add him to these other really important beliefs and things. You see what I'm saying? They they believed in other spirit beings and and that there were ways that you need worship and that was what really mattered and yes, Jesus was important. You needed to add him. Well, I'm saying to you today that Jesus doesn't let us add him. He's not about that. He is... Uh, it's, it's just so backwards. It's, Jesus is the one who's important. Jesus is our all in all. And life really is ultimately all about him when we see it properly. And, and so we add other things into our life, but Jesus is where we start with. And we only add the things that the Lord himself 
would lead us to add into our lives. And so the book of Colossians is about this, and it says repeatedly, time after time, it uses the word all to communicate. It's talking about Jesus. He's all this. He's all that. The idea is you don't need anything else. He is what you need in this situation. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's toward the back of the Bible. If you don't have your own Bible with you today, we encourage you to take one out from under the chairs there and follow along. It uh, really, really does help make a difference. Page 1,352. Page 1,352. And um, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read most of it. Paul begins talking about uh, the the Colossians and, and what's happened in their lives. And he says how they have come to Christ. They've come to Christ, they've placed their faith in him, now they're, they're seeking, they're trying to live like Christians, they're loving like Christians. And Paul says, because of these things, we hear these things about you, we pray for you. And that's where we're gonna pick up, okay? So verse number nine. <clears throat> and I'll read through this and then we'll come back and, and talk about it. Colossians 1.9 says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And and just there he's talking about spiritual beings, other spiritual beings. And he says, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in, in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, 
but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And perfect, the idea of complete, uh, fulfilling what they were made for. Verse 29, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So working hard, but in total dependence on the Lord. Now, by my count, in the, we start in verse 9, the, first, the, the next 14 verses, there are 22 statements about um, um, Jesus and what he's like and what that means in our lives. So it's 22 there, and then it follows up in the rest of the verses there with six things that that ought to mean in our lives. So 22 and 6, that's 28, right? I figured about three minutes each, we got about an hour and a half to go. Um, but we're not gonna do that. I'm just gonna go back and highlight some of the things that really jumped out to me. And uh, so let's, let's do this. Uh, go back to verse number nine. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, the day we heard that you had placed your faith in Christ and were, were trying to live like Christians. Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I think that this is one of those things that, that when we come to Christ, we don't understand it's going to happen. We don't understand that's available to us. Now, have you noticed that in the world around us, people do crazy things? Are you with me on that? Just watch the news one, one time, right? The way people think and the things that they do and how they respond to things, they really largely seem like they are lost, they're shooting in the dark, they're, they're trying to figure out how to deal with life. But Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you, and, and I would believe that this applies to us as well. And Paul is praying for something. He's not praying for something that isn't what God wants. He's praying for something God does want and is making available to us. And so I would say this. Go ahead, that, that uh, first point, if you would. That we can know God's will and have wisdom and spiritual understanding to live it out. We don't have to be lost. Now, I get there are decisions in life that come up and, oh, wow, what's the right decision? How do I do this? But as the believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have to make that, uh, deal with that issue with no foundation. You know, not having a clue where to start or, or what the goal is. We, we as Christians have that. He says that we could know God's will. And God's will, almost all of it is found right here. And I say almost all of it because this is how we have a relationship with God. He tells us that. He tells us how we should interact with one another. He tells us what, how we should handle our finances. He tells us how we should use our abilities uh, in serving him. He tells us how to raise our children, how to stay married. He I mean, on and on, right? He tells us how we should interact with our government authorities. He tells me how we should get along with our neighbors. I mean, it's just filled. This is God's will for your life. 
Now, oftentimes, especially young people, when they're thinking, well, what's God's will for my life? They're thinking about, okay, where should I go to college? Who should I marry? What should I do with my life? They're thinking God's will, and that is also part of God's will. But let me tell you, you can't make those decisions without being yielded and trying to live by God's will as presented in the book, right? And then that enables you to make those other kinds of decisions. And, and so this is what it says here, that not only see, we can know his will, but we can also be filled with uh, his wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is so valuable to us. Um, there's a worldly wisdom. The Bible talks about worldly wisdom. And worldly wisdom never accomplishes good things in people's lives. But God's wisdom is a different thing. God's wisdom is the true wisdom. And when we talk about godly wisdom, we're talking about seeing the world the way God says that it is. Someone who, who looks at what's happening in their lives and what's going around and is able to, say, to bring to bear on this, well, here's how, what God says. Here's what God says is important. Here's what God says about how I should respond. Here's what, that is, can you imagine walking through life seeing things the way God sees them? And by the way, you're talking to another human being. You're gonna say, well, I see it this way, and they're gonna say what? Well, I see it this way. Oh, well, who's right? When I say the way God sees it, it's not like that, right? The way God sees it is the way it really is. It's the way that's right, okay? And so, but what the, the Paul is telling us here is that this is available to us. We can't understand the world. We can understand how things are supposed to work. We can understand where, where should our heart be in this situation. Uh, what factors is God says important? So we can have that wisdom available to us. And we'll talk in a minute about how we have that. And then it says not only that, but spiritual understanding. Because here's the deal. I have the word of God and, and everything that he says is true and right. Now she has to understand it properly and then apply it, but everything is true and right. And he's told me everything I really have to know. I have his will. And then he, in here he gives me wisdom so that I can now look at life in light of this, I can look at life that way, but that still doesn't make the final decisions often. You still have to decide, right? Do I go, do I not go? Whatever, you know, do I spend it, do I not spend it? I mean, all those kinds of things. And so this is where there's one more thing that God gives us, and this is this spiritual understanding. A spiritual understanding, where when we came to Jesus, he moved in, right? The Holy Spirit moved in, you guys still with me here? The Holy Spirit moved in. God himself moved in. And as we cultivate that relationship and, and become more and more sensitive to that, so we've taken his will, and here's the big picture of his will. We've taken his wisdom, we've looked at it, and we say, wow, I still gotta make a decision. Lord, what do I do? And there's a sense in which, uh, I'm not telling you that, that all of a sudden a little thing will pop up and go, bing, this is what you're supposed to do. But what it is, it's in your relationship with Christ that you can say, okay, Lord, here I am. I have to make this decision now. I think I understand your will, I think I understand your wisdom, and I, so God, help me to make the right decision. And sometimes either decision is right. 
But the idea is you have this relationship, this spiritual understanding that you can now bring to bear on it. And let me tell you, good news, I'm talking about good news that you didn't realize you had. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you're familiar with those verses, uh, but it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Okay, I'm gonna trust you, God, in this situation. Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, I don't want to bring my ideas, the ideas of the world. I want, I want your ideas. I'm going to go with what you say here. Okay? In all your ways, acknowledge him. This idea, all right, Lord, I'm trying to, I want to do what you want me to do in this situation. I'm trying to make this decision the way you want me to. I'm acknowledging you in all my ways. And it says what? And he will direct your path. What kind of good news is that? See, so when you take advantage of his knowing his will and his wisdom and, and you cultivate this relationship with spiritual understanding and, and you try to make decisions that way, do you understand you cannot make a, how do I want to say it? You can't make a wrong decision. Because even if you make a decision, I mean, when I drive places, how many of you ignore your GPS sometimes? Because, well, no, that's not the right way, you know, and... And I make a turn, and guess what? The GPS was right. Okay. So, say we made a wrong turn, but the deal is, is all I got to do is, oh, okay, so just the GPS does what? Recalculating or whatever it says and puts you back on track. That's the way it is with you and God. When you are trusting in him, uh, uh, not leaning on your understanding, you're acknowledging him in all your ways, then you make those decisions. And even if you made a wrong turn, God just says, okay, we'll get there from there. Isn't that good news? Such good news, very freeing. Anyway, so this is one of the things that we have in Christ. Now I'm gonna do something different today. Uh, and um, some of you will go, that's cool, and the rest of you go, oh no! <laughs> I'm, I wanna ask a question. And I'm actually looking for somebody to respond. Okay? This isn't just a rhetorical question for you to think about. So it, it says this here. What do you think our part is in experiencing this truth? What's our part? Okay, who, who wants to answer that for us today? Just what you think, Melanie. What's that? Okay, you have to trust. Yeah, Stacy. Say it again. Yeah, seek him. So how are we going to know what he says in his word unless we seek? How we have spiritual understanding unless we seek the relationship, uh, Everett? Okay, yeah, uh, we got to be ready and willing to live it out. James says if we aren't going to do this and believe God and do it, we shouldn't expect the wisdom. Yes, down here in the front. You are so excited to give this answer. What? Keep his commandments. Yes, right, we got to live by his word, right? What was the last part? Yeah, yeah. If we don't live by his commandments, then we aren't acknowledging him in all our ways, are we? So see, we need to seek this relationship with him, grow in this relationship with him, grow in our understanding of the word, be applying it, learning from it, making those decisions where God says, oh, wrong turn, recalculating. It's all good. What you have in Jesus is better than you thought. Better than you thought. All right, let's go to the next uh, place I want to look at here. Verse 13 and 14. It says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness 
of sins. And so to summarize it with this sentence, he delivered us from the power of darkness, transferred us into his kingdom, redeemed us with his blood, and forgave all our sins. That sound like good news? Yes. Amen. That's way good news. Better than you probably thought. Let's, let's look through this. It says, he has delivered us. This word that's delivered uh, comes from, it's derived from a word that means a rushing current. Okay? It's like you have been swept away. When, I, I've told this story, uh, I don't know, a long time ago, I think, but years ago, I, when I was a teenager, a young teenager, my family went to Hawaii, and uh, we were out on the beach, and uh, some pretty big waves at the time, and, and playing in the waves, and, and all of a sudden, one, something happened, I got a bounce, a wave hit me, and I went, boom, down. And I'm bouncing off the sand, the bottom of the beach, but then I come up on the beach, and what happened is this, the wave would come in, and then they rushed down the beach quite a ways and back out down here. And so not only did I bounce in here, I'm bouncing across the ground. And what's funny is all of a sudden something ran into something. Oh, I stopped, and, and somebody helped me up, and it was a little kid. <laughs> Hawaiian kid, just kind of looking at me like. But I want to tell you is that that caught me and the current just rushed me away. And I want you to know, and it says we have been delivered from the kingdom of, or the power of darkness. That's what Jesus did for us. It's like he just whoosh, rushed us out of there. No longer under the controlling power of darkness. That's such good news. Amen. Now, even as Christians, we can struggle with habits and addictions and problems. But as Christians, we have been set free from Satan's control over us. And, and we can make a different decision. Okay, we have to learn, we have to grow, and we're gonna make mistakes, but we are now no longer under his power. Okay? Uh, and, and that is such good news. So we've been delivered. The, the, the current just rushes away. And it says, and he has conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of love. Uh, conveyed, I, guess, I think we get the idea. What does a conveyor belt do? It conveys somebody from where? Here to there. It, it moves people and things. Uh, the, the King James Version translates this word, very interesting, it translated with the word translate. That we have been translated. Now, now my daughter has been studying Spanish and then she's been in Spain for you know a year and, and so she's had to do a lot of translating. But when we're translating, what are we doing? We're taking something that is in this language and doing what? Taking it and now putting it in this language. But see, this is what God has done with us when we came to Christ. Before we came to Christ, we are under the power of darkness. We are uh, blinded spiritually. And thankfully, God works in us li our lives and enables us to see what we need to see. But, but here we are, and, and what God has done is said, okay, you're not here anymore. I'm translating you. I am conveying you into my son's kingdom. And, and you can't get out of it. <laughs> now, we'd have to look other places in the Bible to show you that. But you can't get out of it. And you don't, you don't want to get out of it. But he has conveyed us into the kingdom of love. And so he has made these changes in his lives. And he says, in whom we have redemption. And this idea is paying a ransom. Paying a ransom. And I, I want you to just don't think wrong about this. This isn't that God paid Satan a ransom. The Satan somehow or other set a price and you know, God paid the ransom. No. What it does is that God paid the price that it took to redeem us to him. 
because we were separated from him. But he paid the price in full. Jesus hangs on the cross, and just before he dies, he says what? It is finished. It's all done. The payment for sin is done. And so redeemed, he has ransomed us. That means he's brought us back. He has purchased us. We now belong to him. We are his purchased possession. And then the forgiveness of all our sins. I love this word that's translated give forgiveness here. Um, because there, there's two parts to it. And one part is to loosen something. And the other part of the word means away. And so it's like this the sins are... are tied to us and we can't escape it. We're bound up with it. It's like the Lord loosens all of those things so that they what? Go away. The picture, if you can picture, is like a boat tied up on the side of a river and you loosen the rope and you let it go. That's what Jesus did with your sins. That's what he did. Is that good news? Yeah, now you still sin and you still need to work that between your Lord. But man, the penalty for that has been paid forever. Done. Such, such good news. So, question for you. Someone to answer. This truth, how might this change the way you see yourself? And how could that change your life? Okay, yes, on the front here. All right, yes, good, so we want to be transformed. So we want to let this thought, this truth transform the way we see ourselves. How many of you, don't raise your hand. How many of you feel guilty most of the time? I, mean, I, I don't know how many times, you know, I talk to someone and I hear you, oh, I feel so bad, I feel so guilty, I feel guilty. And how should this truth transform that? Right? I mean, if you're sinning, yeah, you're going to feel guilty. But I mean, if that's not what's going on and you're just feeling guilty about everything, it should change the way we think. Uh, so how do you think this could change your life if you start to believe this about yourself? Somebody. How could this change your life? Yes, here in the front. All right, let me, let me paraphrase kind of what you're saying here. If I understand what we're saying is that um, somebody might think, oh, I can go do whatever I want now because I've been forgiven. But the reality is, is when we understand this, we don't want to. God has changed us, right? That's the whole point. He's changed us. We don't want to do that anymore, all right? Good. Somebody besides these guys in the front row, because we'll have a conversation up here all day if you let us. Anybody else? How might this change your life? Marco? Okay, so you'll be able to walk in the light instead of in the power of darkness. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, Dan. Yeah, peace, right? Because we are now, God has made peace with us. We're at peace with God. And then certainly we can have his peace. All right, great. Let's go on. Uh, verse 16 it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him 
and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And I just want to um, kind of just pull two thoughts out of those verses, so let's go on. He created all things and holds the universe together. He created how many things? Right, and then obviously created them in ways that they work, and, and you know, we reproduce, I mean, it's all, but it's all part of his creation from the beginning. Um, he's the designer. Do you know that so many of the problems that we see in our society today can be stemmed back to the fact that people no longer look to God as creator? Romans chapter one, it talks about it. So it's all these problems that are in a society, in a culture. It says because they chose to worship the, cre the creature themselves or the creation more than the creator. And the end result, when you do that, we're back in the beginning. We don't know what God's will is. We don't have any place to work from and anything goes and none of it works. Okay, so creator. Uh, and, and then not only that, he holds the universe together. This is his word. It says, by him all things consist. And, and some English translations talk about that by him all things hold together. God designed the creation to, to work in a certain way. And those of you with scientific mind, you think about this, right? We, we talk about the particles and all this stuff and the forces and how it all works together. But I want you to know that the only reason it does that is because the Lord holds it together. Right? In other words, the universe functions the way it does because God is the one who made it to do that and he keeps it doing that. Now, if you understand this, that he created everything and that he's the one who's holding it together, here's a question. What are some ways that this might affect how you think and feel about God and how you think and feel about what's going in the, on in the world. How do, how do you think that truth would have, could affect that? What, how you think and feel about God and, and or how you think and feel about what's going on in the world today. Someone farther back. Barry. We can have inner peace. Yeah, because he actually is what? In control. Yeah, when I say he's in control, that does not mean he's causing everything. No, but nothing is happening that he is not over and has allowed. And if he has allowed it, he has good purposes in it. All right, other ways, what do you think? How can it, yeah. Safety and comfort. Safety and comfort, yeah, I am safe in this thing. When Jesus says, I will keep you safe, can he do it? Yes. Yeah, he can. Carol? Okay, all right. And so he can, he can deal with this when he's ready, right? We don't have to worry about that. All right, so uh, I think when we really look at the world this way, this has the ability to really change how we see things and how we feel about things. All right, let's, let's go to uh, verse 27. It's one of my favorite concepts when I come to Scripture. He says, to them, he's talking about how God has revealed these things to people, to the Gentiles, this mystery. We didn't know before all this stuff. Jesus came, now he's revealed it to us. And it says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. And so I put the point this way. We should be filled with hope because he indwells us. This one we're talking about, this one we read all this stuff about, right? This one who has made his will available to us in his wisdom and spiritual understanding. This one who has uh, delivered us and brought us into his kingdom. And this one who, you know, created all things and holds it together. That's the one who lives in you. Sometimes, you know, it's easy. Oh, yeah, I've got Jesus in my heart. What does that mean? No, this God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, God of the universe, has somehow, some way, set up residence. He's moved in. This is who indwells you. This is no small thing, is it? You know, we need to remember this. This is a big thing. When I get up tomorrow morning, I, you know, I should at some point, before too long, become aware and say, wait a minute. God is in me. I mean, if you really start thinking about it, would that change maybe how you went about the rest of your day? I'm kind of getting ahead. I'm asking you a question. So, um, all right, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm not going to ask you that question there. I'm going to ask you another one now before we go on. In light of all these things that, that we've read and specifically that we've talked about, in light of all these things, what should we do because of it? I don't think there's just one answer. There's probably a lot of answers. But what, what should we do? Anybody? What? Be thankful. Yeah, we ought to be grateful. Aren't grateful people pleasant to be around? <laughs> It's because there's something good about them. Grateful people. What else? Carol? Tell others. Tell others. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, Derek? Get yeah, we want to keep learning more. Get in the word more, right? Let it transform us, as I said. Somebody else? Surrender. Surrender. Man, we ought to, right? Doesn't it make all the sense in the world to surrender to him? I mean, how? How? I'm going to use the word. How stupid does it seem when we understand who the Lord is and who Jesus is and what he's done or what he will do that we would go, nope, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, pretty much. It's mindless. Okay. Other thoughts? Yeah, Barry? Be still. Oh, yeah, just wait on him, huh? Wait on the Lord. When things aren't necessarily going the way we want them to or think they should, be still. Remember, he is God. He is at work. Good. All right. Well, I think we can go on and on with that list, but I want to, let's look here in the scriptures and see what he says, what Paul says. After all of this, in verse 28, in fact, read the first three words with me. Let's read it out loud now. Him we preach. Okay. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. This is teaching those who, warning and teaching those who don't know the Lord that they need to know him. Uh, warning and teaching those who do know the Lord that they might, uh, as it says here, be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I work at this, I'm laboring at this, and, and we ought to as well. But him we preach. 
And so we should share Christ with other people on purpose. On purpose. We need to be alert to it. We need to make decisions that will allow for it and keep after it. Now let's talk about what we mean here. Him we preach. Because they need what we have, don't they? And, and you got something good to offer them. I mean, if you ordered something from Amazon and it came in and you looked at it and wow, this is 10 times better than I thought. The deal was better than I could have even imagined. I would recommend this to everybody. Would you recommend it to everybody? Well, what do you have in Christ? It's better than you knew. And it's still better than you know. And you say, okay, him we preach. That's Walt's job. Right? I'm the preacher. We've got to stop having such a good time here <laughs> church. This, um, it's not talking about preaching. It does include preaching, obviously, but it, it, it isn't. The word means to proclaim, and it comes from a combination of a prefix and a word in the Greek language. And the first part is a word that means down, and the other part is a word that means Messenger. And so, well, how does that fit together? How do we get this idea of proclaim or preach? I, I teach speech to homeschool students um, throughout the school year. And a number of years ago, in fact, it was uh, the Nichols' uh, son, uh, Caleb. Him and Zach, yeah, both of them, <laughs> in class with me. And they, uh, all of a sudden, they started using this saying that I'd never heard before. They said, hey, you picking up what I'm putting down? I said, I don't know. What are you putting down? I don't know. But obviously it means, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you understanding? Is it, is it make sense to you? But, but this idea of down and being a messenger, this idea, we're putting stuff down. We're, we're laying out the info. That's you and me as we go through life. We're putting it down. And there are probably from time to time when we need to say to someone, hey, you picking up what I'm putting down? And have that conversation. So this is not the preacher's job, this is our job. It's my job, it's your job, and there's a sense in which it's our job together as well. Now, that can seem overwhelming when you think, okay, yeah, I know, I know I'm supposed to be a witness, but ah, I don't know how it's so big and I don't know how to share my, I, I get that. Let me tell you a little story that I think will help you to, let me back up. First thing you need to decide is say, okay, God, I will do it. I'm scared to death. I don't know how, but I will. All right. In the book of Joshua, the people were getting ready to go into the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness, and God told them how to do this, and the problem was so they had to cross a river, Okay. And the Lord told them, go walk toward the river, and when you put your foot in the river, when the sole of your foot hits the river, I'm going to part the river. Okay. Now, we think, okay, not too big a different deal, but let's go ahead and show that, that clip with you. This is what we're talking about. The river was at flood stage. That's the Jordan River when it's at flood stage. Okay? And they've got to find a place where all these people can go and cross it. Uh, doesn't look too promising, does it? 
Well, the story is this, that the priest who carrying the Ark of the Covenant symbolizing the presence of God with his people, as they walked forward to the Jordan River, which was in flood stage, the Bible says that they took that step and as their foot hit the water, God parted the water. He stopped it until everybody was across. And there's more to the story than that. But that's what he did. And I want to say to you and to myself that we say, okay, him we preach. We, we need to share this with people. We need to. Okay, I know how to do this, but all right, God. And we go out in that day and all of a sudden the opportunity arises. And if we stand back and say, oh, but look how hard it is. Look what I don't know. You won't do it. No, instead you've got to say, okay, God, here I am. And step in. And God will work. And you can't even mess it up. If we're living the way we've been talking about, right? You can't mess it up. (laughs) So... Uh, Jesus, really all of life is about Jesus. It's all going to connect to him. And you can see why. I said, we've just touched the hem of the garment if we want to talk about the Lord and who he is and what he's like and what difference it ought to make. So many things. Are you encouraged by who Jesus is and what it means in your life? Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So let's walk out here and let's continue to know him so much so that it overflows out of us to where we're willing to take that step. Father, we come to you now and thank you for your word and... Thank you for the truth of it and all that it means for uh, your son and, and who he is, what he's like, what he's done, and what those things mean in our lives, Father. We, we want to acknowledge you in all our ways. The desire of our hearts to do so. Help us to understand that uh, these are part of your ways. Change us to be like your son. I pray, Lord, we'll surrender to you and put our foot into the water and share Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just before you go, uh, I was thinking evangelism for the tongue-tied. Okay, if if you feel tongue-tied, you struggle with it, we'd love to have you in the class. That starts 6.30 a week from this Wednesday night. We'd love to have you sign up. That would help us. Thank you.